0: Three. One, two, three, break someone's crazy. clavicle! <laughs> Hit the field, let's go. That's a trick, you know that? Move it, move it! Huh?
1: Pick up that piece of trash, Tom. Tuck in your shirt. What are you doing? Have a sense of pride, huh? In fact, why don't you take a lap? Go run a lap! I'm timing you! Pick it up!
2: Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. But that might be the last time you hear these names on this podcast. It's camp. Camp is here. It's full pads. <laughs> I feel real deal camp ready. Joe Judge is pumping us up. We got an interview with Dan Duggan later, uh, talking about camp battles, talking about different things from Joe Judge. Some really interesting tidbits. So we have that later. But man, it it feels like the real first day of camp. I get that it was a couple weeks ago, or three weeks ago, but it feels like the first day because these guys are out on the pads, the the reporters are out there, and it feels like real camp, Justin. And Joe Judge has a couple new uh, rules. One, there's no jersey names on the back of the practice jerseys. And two, if you make a mistake, you take a lap. And so guess what? For just this episode to rein in camp, Justin, what is your what would be your number in football
0: hmm. 74 75
2: pick one one
0: 70
2: two. 75 75 75 I'm 58 that's how we'll be addressing each other for the rest of the episode don't miss don't screw it up and then two if you make a mistake you're taking a lap around your room and same with me I'll take a lap around my office
0: if we make a mistake also, don't like how Joe Judge said he's judging players by their body type. I would hate to be judged by my body type. I'd be very insulted. Well, we're gonna judge you by
2: your voice today, 75. And if I almost I almost screwed up and had said 74 was gonna have to do a lap. So this will either end up being a great podcast or a horrible podcast. So don't do not do not screw up or you're running a lap. Anyways, welcome to the show. Like I said, we got Dan Duggan coming on later. Uh, fun interview Dan Duggan I think I've had him on the show like six times Justin let's start Joe Judge his first practice where we really got to see hear stuff from the beat reporters I mean what are your what are your initial thoughts
0: my big macro thoughts I'm thinking as a person who would usually go to training camp practices to begin with and I'm thinking to myself as I'm seeing certain videos and seeing certain reactions from beat reporters come out if I was there And I know a lot of our Talking Giants listeners, if we were all there witnessing how Judge would run his practices, I think our jaws would be on the floor just seeing the difference between how this coach operates and how especially the last two coaches operate. I mean, I'm not really going to comment on what Coughlin did because I can't really remember. That's, I mean, at this point, that's like five, six years ago, but the pace, the tempo, the energy, and almost bringing back like a college or a high school feel to a practice with running laps and having punishments. Now, not just doing push-ups when cornerbacks would drop interceptions. That's what Pat Shermer would do, but it's just to a, such an incredible degree of the attention to detail um, and the intensity that this practice was. Um, Bobby, is it overrated to talk about you know, how intense each practice is, because we're going to say, you know, no matter what coach the Giants brought in, we were going to say, oh, the practices feel different, and that was going to be a storyline. But I think even Dan Duggan later on in the podcast, later on in the show, is really going to say, no, this is this is legit. This is legit. And other people that worked with Joe Judge have, you know, kind of backed this up.
2: Well, first of all, you called me by my, my government name, Take-A-Lap. I got to get up? Yeah, just real quick. And then – Topher Pete in the chat uh, addressed you as your government name, so I told him to take a lap. This oh, is great geez. podcasting. Hopefully you don't make any. Hope, hopefully you don't make any more mistakes. The chat is calling it out. The chat is calling it out. We need to have a number for the chat. Uh, I just yeah.
0: tripped and almost I, unplugged all of my outlets. By the way, hey,
2: good thing you didn't, because that would have been a mistake, and you would have had to take another lap. <laughs> um, this, is, like I said, this is either going to be like the best podcast we do, or the absolute worst.
0: Was this the idea that you had this morning?
2: Yes, this was the All
0: idea. Right. I thought it was going to be a lot worse. So, what did you think it was going to be? I thought it was just going to be something bad, and it had something to do with my interesting choice of words, um, syllables instead of symbols. How I got those two words mixed up.
2: Oh, if you do that again, that'll be a, a, a laugh. That was that was a funny Rickyism. <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest difference, and I hate to spoil the Duggan interview, was the fact that they had like, hey, first team offense, second team offense, both be ready to go. First team offense, snap. All right, plays done. Second team offense, snap. That's pretty interesting to keep um, things sped along. The names, the name stuff. I really don't like take. I know we're joking and having some fun with it, but I really don't have any. Like that doesn't do anything for me. Like okay, like you're supposed to judge them by their body, like that. Okay, like it just doesn't make any sense because you're not looking at the back of their jerseys anyways. You're looking at the front. Yeah, when this they're
0: thing, when they're up at the line.
2: <laughs> they still have their numbers. So that doesn't really do anything for me. The lap thing is interesting, though, because that is like something like you you don't want to run a lap. You know what I'm saying? Like coaches. Running a lap
0: coaches are running with the players, too.
2: That's the interesting thing to me, because it's not the whole run a lap thing, you know, like that's high school. It's the coaches that are doing it, because when I first thought of that, it's like that's great in training camp, but if we aren't winning games, that kind of stuff can run thin, and maybe it is just a training camp thing. But the fact that he made the entire offensive staff Run a lap with the second team offense, like that. Get, that ke- keeps the players from saying, "Why don't you run it? Why, why don't you run a lap? You're the one who screwed up that play call. You're the one who called a timeout at this time. Why, why don't you? will not your ass run a lap?" So that is pretty interesting that he's making the coaches do that. I like that accountability. Yeah, accountability. So, like you know, I think that kind of stuff can be kind of like corny and, and cornball stuff, but I like that he's involving the coaches in it, where it's like, "Hey, we're gonna hold all of ourselves accountable."
0: Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I think if we were there, and if fans were there, jaws would be dropped. That was my main thought stemming from today, because I'm thinking about myself as a fan and how I would react. And while there's been certain flows and certain energies that have come from each individual coach since Tom Coughlin, and they've done their own little special things, uh, this this does just inevitably uh, feel different. And uh, something that I really liked that Dan Duggan provided clarification on, because I was wondering... Well, how much of this is because they have 90 minutes of practice and what, Bobby, what do we play in four weeks, three weeks? We're playing a football game and this is the first time that we're putting on pads. So how much of this is because of the short timing and then how much of this is because, oh, this is actually just what Joe Judge does. So Duggan um, will provide clarification on that as well.
2: Right. Two fans tried to break in. That was pretty interesting. Oh, two fans? Yes. Pat Leonard said that, that two fans are trying to break in. That was kind of interesting.
0: Was not me. I'm planning on making my break in on uh, Friday.
2: I'll say this. You know, we kind of, in a sense, laughed at like, oh, we're cross-training everybody. They are doing it. Like, they're playing guys at different positions. Like, Holmes was playing inside and outside.
0: But that's the guys who we expected to do it, though.
2: Right, yeah, I don't think Peppers is down playing safety or anything. No, um, you mean corner. You don't think Peppers was playing Oh, yeah, corner, sorry. That was a mistake.
0: All right, Bobby's taking a lap. Patreon, patreon.com backslash talking giants. Uh, we have new, no new patrons this week, but you get to see Bobby's reflection as he was taking a lap because he made a mistake, and I said Bobby. I didn't say 58, so that means I have to now take a lap. All right, um, take a lap. All right, I was just plugging the Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Giant to get to see us take laps. Oh, that reminds me.
2: Leave a review, please. Help us help us uh, get some reviews going. We need some reviews. We got, we've got, we gotten a few. Want to get to 300 by the time the season starts. I think we're at like 257 or something like that. So go on Apple. Leave a review. It takes no time. Uh, send it to your friend. Tell them they'll leave a review. <sighs> iPhone iPhone stuff. Leave a review. Appreciate that. So f-
0: oh, forgot to talk about that at the top. It's the most I've ran in years
2: well need to run more we're in and this this is me holding you account- accountable mm. <laughs> um all right mr brownstone is just trying to tire us out he's like oh you need to say the lap three more times um let's keep it at like a you only do a lap once every like five minutes or so doesn't mean okay. you make mistakes on purpose got it nick gates very interesting that he didn't start at center or right tackle on day one. It was uh, Spencer Pulley and Cam Fleming. The reason I'm not worried about that, though, Justin, one, the Mark Colombo comments last uh, last Friday, talking about how he's the alpha dog kind of thing, which, by the way, he was the only offensive lineman with his jersey wrapped up into his pads with the belly hanging out, which is a great camp move. I don't know why more players don't do that. The reason I'm not too worried about, though, is because they extended him. There is no way that he is not starting on the New York Giants, whether it's a center or right tackle. So I do truly think it is like a, Hey, this is a day one type of thing. That being said, if we start out next Monday and Nick Gates isn't starting, then I I, I think next Monday, they'll have a good idea of where guys are starting. Justin.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things where, yeah, they're going to preach competition, cross training, blah, blah, blah. At every position, but also, y- you kind of have to read between the lines and what you know makes sense and what's common sense that Nick Gates is, they extended him for a reason, and he's going to play. You don't extend a guy and give him money when, especially a multi-year deal, when we don't know what cap implications are going to be for this Giants team for a couple years to come. You don't do that just for somebody to be a, a the sixth man in the rotation for offensive linemen. You, you know what I mean? So. Right yeah
2: the the interesting thing though is like McKinney didn't start today. Julian Love started over him. um now we all like he's one where it's like, okay, we expect him to start. It's just kind of a rookie not starting day one type of thing at a position where they have someone like Julian Love. um still interesting that Julian Love's gonna be playing safety. I want to hold off on that conversation to see how it plays yeah, out a little well, more.
0: Uh, yeah, let's hold off on it, but I kind of want to give the question in your brain because we know, yes, we've said that Julian Love is more versatile when he's playing nickel corner, cause then they can disguise looks. But I also think he's, he's very versatile when he's playing safety himself, when he could be playing free safety, think he can do it. Definitely prove that he can be an in the box safety. So if we, I mean, in a perfect, in a perfect world, Darnay Holmes is a stud at slot corner, which that's the thing that we're not exactly banking on it for giants fans. And then we have that beautiful rotation of three safeties, all doing multiple things. That would be, Beautiful, but I don't think it's not fair to expect that. Let's see how it plays out.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. Holmes starting at, at nickel corner from from day one. You know what I'm saying? First day of camp. He's starting at nickel corner. Um and he's been the name that has been people have been throwing out it's like, oh, he's been look like a stud. What I have thought is funny is that all his like stud plays like the interception against Golden Tate, the deflection yep. on Sunday, where it's slot, and then they do a clip of him on the outside against Sterling Shepherd, and he gets beat on a go ball which is what we've been saying all along, where it's like, hey, the guy in the slot, he's got good feel, he jumps stuff, but on the outside, if you get past him, you can wall him off, and that's what Shep did. So I I do think Holmes, as much as they're cross-training him, his final position will be as the nickel-slash-slot corner.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, hope so. Giants Twitter needs to take a little bit of a rest from Darnay Holmes at cornerback number two.
2: Yeah, at nickel, though, like, I get it. I'm not going to be mad if he starts there, but... Expect him to have struggles. Like I just don't expect him to come out and be dominant from week one. If he does, I'd be excited for it. But I know we'll talk about Parrot and like the excitement about him and I know you compared him to Connolly, but I just don't get those vibes. Now granted we don't get a, a preseason, but I just think Holmes will have struggles to start and that's okay. Yeah. But I don't want people like coming out expecting him to be like a shot down nickel corner who has four interceptions and eight passes defended.
0: Yeah. It, it. One one final thing on safety, and then I guess we can move to Parrott for a second because he looked a little bit more bulkier. And my question that I posed on Twitter today that I think is a good question, but is it a matter of, hey, maybe they don't feel that Xavier McKinney is ready to really take on a starting role, and that's why um, Darnay Holmes has to be thrown in there? We did see last year, Bobby... I really do think part of the reason why Julian Love didn't play for the majority of the season, number one, it was coaching negligence. He should have been playing sooner. But also, he just really didn't look great in the preseason, especially at slot corner. He looked a little lost. And granted, rookie year, it's his first time in the NFL. Speed of the game. Cornerback is such a tough position to adjust to. But maybe it's just a matter of this coaching staff just does not view him as a corner, even though he thrived in it in college. And you would think that he has the skill set. So we'll wait and see how it plays out. I really don't want to talk about it that much more. Um, but I thought of this whole Matt Pairt thing today. Well, I will Matt say, Pert- though,
2: the stay on the safety thing for a second. There's yeah. no way Xavier McKinney is not starting week one. I'd be blown away, which would mean love is on the bench.
0: I wouldn't mind a rotation of those three. And because, hell, you're going to have safety. I, I you're gonna have pissed three- off. You're gonna have three safeties on the field a lot of the time anyway in Patrick Graham's defense, so they're all going to be on the field. Yeah, but those guys need to; those three need to be on the field 90% of the
2: time. Um, okay, to, having Love on the field for only 60% of the time, it's it's not a defense good enough to do that. Yeah. Put him down with the nickel. I don't know, but it's we're not. I don't think we're good enough to just have like Love sitting on the bench for half the reps or whatever. I'm like, oh well, yeah. we do three safety looks here and there. I, I, I don't like the thought of that.
0: I agree. I agree. Just trying to trying to think of alternatives. Um, but jumping to Parrot, I guess for a second, you know the good rep that he had against uh, Lorenzo Carter today. Um, looked a little bit more bulkier in the arms. You know, we want that play strength to improve. And I had this kind of question as Matt Parrot maybe getting a little bit more reps. Definitely probably getting second team reps. But can Matt Parrot? be the next Ryan Conley of this 2020 season because throughout the whole entire spring and summer, what we said about Ryan Conley is this kid's a project. This kid's a project. Yet in camp, played really, really well. In the preseason, played played decently well. And we're like, all right, but we still, we're still, we recognize that this is good, but we're still going to be patient. And then he gets out there during the regular season. He gets a starting opportunity. That's like, oh, he is ready. This is happening now. So that's my question with Matt Parrott. Can he be the next uh, Ryan Conley heading into this year where we're like, oh, he's going to be a project. Let's be patient. But he may surprise us.
2: I don't know. Linebacker is a totally different position than offensive tackle. And with Conley going into camp, I had that let be, let's be patient. But you saw him in camp. You saw him in, in preseason. And I was if they would have started him week one, I would have been fine with it. You know what I'm saying? Um and hell, after week after week one, I was ready to start Tay Davis and Conley and put Ogletree on the bench. Because yeah. I actually thought Tay Davis did solid in that first Dallas. He was one of the few defenders who I thought actually did a, had a solid game where Ogletree and Bethea were like the reason for 35 of the Dallas' points.
0: Um, could see us getting tired of Cam Fleming pretty quickly.
2: That's the that's the thing though. Is one, Matt Parrott, if we're like I said this last week, if we're running the ball, I'm fine with Matt Parrott. The question is, in the past game, is he ready yet? Yeah. But I also agree with you. I would be excited. Um, it's, It would be one of my hot takes, and I said it a couple weeks ago too. I would be so excited if Matt Parrott would start week one. I'd be scared to death, but I'm also <laughs> like, you know what? I don't have any faith in Cam Fleming. Like, I don't expect Cam Fleming to be good. I view him as the weak link of this offensive line. So if Parrott, who looks like he's gained like 10 pounds, is moving dudes in the run game more than Fleming ever has, then yeah, I'd be excited about it, but I also remember this fan base got excited about Big George last year. So I don't want to you well, know, I, I don't want to go too crazy.
0: What well, was Big George a 7th round pick? So a little, you put a little bit more stock into a a 3rd, 4th round pick than you do uh than you do a 7th round pick. I know, but, but at the
2: end of the day we saw like one clip of him. Yeah. Moving no, Marcus no, Golden who's not like the biggest dude either. And then the Lorenzo why... oh, we saw the Lorenzo Carter drill and yeah. That wasn't Lorenzo Carter trying to do it. Like, that was Lorenzo Carter trying to keep contain and bowl in. And I, I admit, Parrott did a good job, but that doesn't. Like that's what you should do on most run plays as a tackle.
0: That's why I asked it as a question, Bobby Skinner. It was I, not a statement.
2: I'm excited about him. I really am. Like I said, yeah. if he starts week one, I'm thrilled with it. I'm scared the death of it, but I'm thrilled with it because I do think there's stuff in his pass game, his pass sets, that need work. Now if he had a huge improvement over the off season, and that's stuff you could that's stuff you can improve in the off season if you're working with the right people and as you're you're not opening your hips and just staying vertical because it's it's a matter of like muscle memory, then like then it's a different story, but I don't want to put the expectation that he's starting at right tackle day one and I think some people are putting that expectation on him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you said it best, you're just definitely just more excited about the Giants offensive line. If you have your two, hopefully stud rookies at left tackle and right tackle, boom, you're just excited. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, I mean, any other camp storyline seems like every wide receiver had a great day from Corey Coleman to Alex Bachman. Um, I got a tweet today of what my thoughts on Alex Bachman are. I don't have any, but it, se- it seemed like every <laughs> beat. Rep- do oh yeah. Uh, it seemed like every beat reporter today hit me with the uh, like what, or, or hit us with like the Alex Bachman. Oh, let's talk about the new media rules that they're not allowed to live tweet and like post videos and stuff like that. That's pretty interesting. Some
0: people, some people got around that though.
2: We'll say who got around it.
0: The giant insider actually got around that.
2: I swear they didn't read it. I swear because they did like, ev- did they? They didn't like work around it. They did everything that they said you're not supposed to do. So I really think they just didn't read it, or if they just said, "Hey, we don't care." And I, I, hey, I'm not the biggest fan of them, but I give them props if they did that. Because I think good I would them. be in that, too. We're um, we're
0: back to uh, having headlines of, oh, the quarterback number two had a really good day. <laughs> Colt McCoy had a great day. Who, can I say, who, I want to drop an F-bomb so bad right now because it's so freaking pointless. Who freaking cares if Colt McCoy had a great day? I'm sorry I'm being a jerk. I I'm re- really sorry. Why? But who cares if Colt McCoy had a good day? All right, that's it. Because, his his, of course, freaking Pat Leonard had to tweet it tweeted out first. He
2: had a great throw to Derek Dillon on a double move, the same route that Odell uh, ran against Cincinnati on Monday Night Football a few years ago. So that was pretty cool. But, I just yeah. got
0: rationally angry for no reason. I'm sorry.
2: All the wide receivers had good days. Um, I think that speaks a lot to our corners,
0: to be honest. Colt McCoy had a great day.
2: Uh, don't discount Colt McCoy, okay? If Daniel Jones gets hurt, Colt McCoy is the starter. Or the goat, Alex Tanny. We'll see. It's a it's an open competition. They're cross training all of them. Um, anything else on camp?
0: We we got a voicemail.
2: Oh, we do have a voicemail. All right, let me
0: play it. Hey, fellas, it's Victor over at Just the Giants Fan uh,
1: calling in. You know, I, I I see that that quote by Joe Judge uh, about the uh, not having names on the jerseys because he wants to see you know. He wants everyone to be paying attention, and they should recognize each other by their build and details and stuff like that. Man, I'm be thinking, why not just make it a challenge and dress everyone in a fucking burqa? <laughs>
0: hey,
1: make it a challenge. Come on, man. Anyway, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
2: Um, he said, why don't we just put the people in a burqa if we're really trying to figure out these by their movement and body weight, which is, which is funny. It's like. The whole like oh we should know them by their body types like their jerseys are on the front of the of the or their numbers are on the front of the jersey. Uh, Joe Judge like r- relax okay <laughs> like I guarantee you Carter Coughlin's not coming down at the edge. It's like is that um is that Xavier McKinney no white white skin um got a little bit of a bigger back um oh, no he's looking at the front of the jersey um it acts like and it acts like if in practice they're like who who's at edge turn around turn around. <laughs> oh Cam Brown, all right, all right, flying back up. Uh, that that was the one thing that Joe Judge did that was just like super silly to me. Like who cares? Um, and Duggan caught him up on it, where he's like, "Well, why'd you take him off?" Because Joe Judge acts like he he didn't do it for a reason, and Joe, and Duggan's like, "Well, why'd you take him off?" He's like, "Well, I didn't, but if I did, like, it, it's just a silly thing. It's a coach thing. That's that's the only thing that I thought that was like super silly with it." Good for Dan Duggan. Good for Dan Duggan. All right, and we'll get to him in a second, Justin. Now, this usually in the offseason would lead off our show, but the Giants cut Chandler Catanzaro and signed Graham Gano. So let me go through some stats. Obviously, we all know Graham Gano from the sixty-three yard kick. Gano, 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 Gano. Let me turn my volume down, my mic. Gano, Gano, Gano. Oh, oh, the Spanish call. Yeah. Uh, in two thousand eighteen, he was injured last year. He went fourteen for sixteen on his kicks. Uh, for his career, is eighty-two point one percent. Extra point, ninety-five point three percent. I mean, he's had a good career, Justin. Uh, I think I just said your name, so I'm gonna take a lap. But I'm as I'm leaving, I'm gonna I'm gonna yell see if you can hear me. Probably not. Justin, he he's been a pretty good kicker. And as soon as we signed him, we all but knew that Chandler Catanzaro was done as a New York Giant.
0: Could you hear all that? Yeah, I, I believe I can. I can do some editing stuff to make sure we all pick it up.
2: All right, just—I mean, it doesn't have to be like the loudest
0: thing. Just make you hear it hear. But we knew,
2: we knew Catanzaro was gone. Uh, once Cano was signed.
0: Bobby, you know my approach on kickers and special teams, especially for a kicker, find someone who can kick a football, and do it somewhat well, and then sign that person and never let them go.
2: Should have never let Robbie Gold go.
0: No, no, pot take.
2: No, really shouldn't. He's been great for uh, the Niners. The guy's a Super Bowl kicker. Just got lazy in his end years with the Bears, but we should have never let him go. And we signed Di- D- Dylon Mack, who Ooh. played one game with the Ravens. He played nine nine reps. I went and watched them. Nothing special. He's not going to make the team. Good analysis, 58. Thank you, 75. Do we, do we have anything else? I mean, can we kick it to
0: Duggan? Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, I feel like we touched on some things that Duggan kind of talked about, but we also left some things open ended. A um, lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. I'm really. I think this is one of our best conversations that we have with Duggan. Um, and uh, looking forward to talking more about the Giants, Bobby. This was a lot of fun. Today was, I can't emphasize how fun today was. I know it's different. I know it's weird. You know, we we didn't really get a lot of the clips. We didn't really get the training camp stats. We didn't really get, oh, exactly who is playing here, who is playing there. However, Bobby did get around that system a little bit. We'll talk about that. Wait, do you need to say the metaphors, just in case people don't understand it? No,
2: they will. They'll understand oh, it. Don't yeah, discount. I think it's very you just, clear. you just call our listeners dumb?
0: No, well, you did That's say that. That's a mistake. That, take a lap. Well, I'll, take, I'll a lap take a lap, too. All right, well, anyway, here, how about this? We'll, we'll throw it to the interview. Never mind. Well, I'll take a lap when Bobby gets back. Uh, today was a lot of fun. Football's coming, it's approaching, it's here. Um, tangible football. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you didn't take a lap. To have fun. Get ready to have fun with us. So you wrap it up, I'll take the lap.
2: All right, Justin, or er, 75, is taking a lap. I'm going to take a lap as soon as I'm done because I just said his name. Here's Dan Duggan. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right. We now welcome back onto the show. He's been on too many times. I, I He came back on my old show, Simple Man Radio, and I, I can't believe he still likes me after that. Dan Duggan of The Athletic. What's going on, man?
1: Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing?
2: Good. Um, so well, we'll try and keep it high and tight. We'll start out Joe Judge. First day, first day in pads, not just press conferences and stuff like that. I mean, what's the first impression? what's the, What's the vibe you get from day one of Joe Judge compared to you know the other two coaches you've been
1: through? Okay, so that, yeah, there's two two kind of layers to that question. My impression of Joe Judge is pretty much the same one that he's presented for his first you know seven or eight months on the job. Very intense, uh, very detail oriented. Like this practice is pretty much exactly what you'd expect from you know everything you've seen and heard from the guy. He is very Uh, you know, efficient and intense. We practice moved at a much faster clip if you want to, you know, uh, compare to the previous coaching staffs. I'm always amazed when you go to football practice, how often guys are just standing around. And it it seems like it was stuff that didn't really take a brain surgeon to to figure out ways to be a little more efficient. And Joe Judge didn't reinvent the wheel. You know, I talked to Patriots reporters, and a lot of the stuff he's doing is the same stuff that, you know, Belichick's been doing up there for years. Um, But something as simple as, you know, they only have 90 minutes that they're allowed to practice today. So he just basically took the team for team drill, split it in half, and put, like, the first-team offense and the backup defensive players on this end of the field and the first-team defense and the backup offensive players on the other end of the field and basically just would be, like, rapid-fire snaps. So, you know, Daniel Jones takes a snap on this end of the field. As soon as that play's over, you know, Alex Taney's running a play on the other end of the field. And just you're basically doubling your output because while the other team's – other side of the field's huddling, you know, the other end you got action. So uh, just little things like that. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Is it going to make the team, you know, six wins better this season? No, probably not. But it's just you like to see um, the thought process that seems to go into every decision he makes. You know, there's not really anything made just on a whim with Joe Judge. Everything is very calculated. Um, And certainly that's my reflection from this first practice that, you know, he he didn't come out there and was all sloppy and guys were running around. I mean, everyone – I had a purpose and knew where they were going. And, and we're getting a lot of work done in a short period of time, which is kind of the name of the game for for them this camp.
2: Yeah, you hear stories of guys who are assistants in New England. They're just like, it's the most efficient thing you've ever done from the guy who cuts up film to, to you know, the, the, the towel guy or whatever. Just a lot of efficiency. Now, before we get into some more on the field stuff, man, you seem to really give Freddie Kitchens the cold shoulder the other day when he tried to fist bump to you in the presser. <laughs>
1: No, that, that's tough. I don't ever actually watch him back, but I watched that clip. I, I gave him the fist bump back. They only they only keep the camera trained on the coaches. But yeah, that, that's, it's just one of these things. There's so many awkward uh, parts <laughs> of the job right now. And it's like, you know, ordinarily we would have met Freddie Kitchens in person, uh, you know, in the spring and, you know, whatever. But it was like, hey, nice to meet you. And, uh, you know, obviously over a Zoom call and he gave the fist bump and I, I didn't leave him hanging. Yeah, and Dan, I kind of I want to
0: go back to what you were talking about with the multi-field thing. Now, as somebody who's been attending training camp practices, I think a lot of fans who listen to the show, they also attend training camp practices. I have a feeling if we were all in attendance, our jaws would be on the floor, just seeing the way that practice was going and how efficient it was going. But I kind of want to ask, you may not even know the answer to this, do you think that that was like a Joe Judge thing? where you had one play going on one field, one play on the other, and the plays were kind of going on almost simultaneously, or do you think that was just the product of, hey, this is COVID, hey, we only have a few weeks left until, you know, we actually have to go, and this is the way that we almost have to do things instead of want to do things. What was your impression on that?
1: Yeah, no, I definitely think it's the judge things. like I said, Belichick, I, I, I checked, I'm going to be doing this all all season, I'm going to be bugging my, my buddies or so Patriots reporters, like, hey, does Belichick do this? And like, sure enough, they're always like, yep. <laughs> so it's like, not again, judge isn't reinventing the wheel, but uh, I think it goes hand in hand, though. I mean, dealing with um, the drastic reductions in practice time that we've all covered, you know, endlessly this offseason, you need to find ways to be more efficient. That being said, you know, next summer, hopefully, back is le- you know life is back to normal, and they have a long training camp. I don't think Judge is going to go back to some sort of camp structure where guys are going to be standing on the sideline for the majority of practice. I think this is how he's going to do business. But I think there's more of an impetus this year because. I mean, how the heck are you going to evaluate guys when you have just, you know, a handful of basically practices here before they really have to kick it off? So um, doing it this way, um, you know, makes for you know, a lot more reps for the coaches to evaluate, evaluate as they're trying to you know, get this roster down to 53 and then determine roles and all that. So kind of the more they can put on film, you know, without the benefit of preseason games, uh, the better.
2: For sure. To go back to the Freddy Kitchens thing, I think you were just thrown off guard because you were like halfway through your question. And he's like, no, no, f- fist bump. I, I liked it. Um, I got a good chuckle out of it. Um, so I do want to ask you some questions. But before that, you mentioned before, there's like some const- like strict rules on you guys. Like there's no more live tweeting. So we don't get the you know, you were never the biggest live tweeter, but we don't get the uh, the in in practice stats and stuff like that going on. And What are your thoughts on some of the 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 new rules that have been put in place?
1: Yeah, well, it's funny as you noted, I I'm not the biggest live tweeter because it's it's sort of the bane of my existence when you know July 29th rolls around and any NFL you know reporter you're following, I, I someone, I think Albert Breer mocked at a Broncos reporter's. The tweet was literally locked to fans. Was like the tweet. Like I mean, I just can't I can't deal with that. Like going to Engram like from seven reporters is is the silliest thing in the middle of July. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, listen, I don't know exactly why all of these restrictions are put in place. My my understanding is they're kind of always on the books. And again, this is a guy coming from New England where they're going to lean towards, you know, restricting access. Uh, I think this year is a little different because there's no fans there. So there's a little more. Latitude for the teams to even, you know, lock things down more because it's kind of silly when you put those restrictions on reporters when there can be 20,000 fans reporting Jones to Engram, uh, you know, live on Twitter. So um, the live tweeting thing doesn't really bother me because, you know, I'm sitting there making observations during practice in my notebook and I don't have to take the time to actually tweet it out as well. So that doesn't bother me at all. The, the bigger challenge slash problem that I'm trying to figure out how to navigate is um, you know they're really strict on what you can report whereas with Shermer and McAdoo you know you could just come right up to practice do a report say you know here's a starting left tackle there was a third team right guard you could just list the depth chart you know very specific observations for practice none of that you know according to the the rules laid out um, you know we'll find out in practice how strict they're going to be but as of right now you're not allowed to uh, report on depth chart you're not allowed to report on you know Formations, personnel groupings—all these types of things that really are what constitute football coverage. It's going to be a little bit tough if they're going to be super strict on that. Again, I think um, it'll be interesting to see how much they're monitoring that, how much they're enforcing that. Because again, I, I don't know how you can, um, you know, really observe practice and not make basic. Uh, observations about you know where a player is playing or you know so otherwise you're gonna get a bunch of like out of context like darius Slayton made a nice catch and like, <laughs> like who threw it who was covering him what was the road you know, like, well some details i feel so uh we're gonna have to play that one by ear and, and see i just filed a practice report so we'll see if that gets flagged by uh, giants pr and if not um you know I'll, I'll keep pushing the envelope a little bit
2: yeah keep pushing it I, so I'll, I'll ask you if the Giants were to put someone at first team center today, would you think it'd be someone that was like more like strong, like a gate or someone that can like pull more like a pulley or something like that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it would be uh, you know, more like a lever or pulley, whatever the, the word you All want right. to use. Mm, mm, first team center today. Interesting.
2: What about nickel corner? Someone who like that you love or someone you want to bring homes?
1: <laughs> uh, definitely. Someone you'd want to bring home. Oh wow! Would be the more, 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 more love at that spot today. I would say. Would you
2: love someone at
1: safety? Yes, I, I think. Okay, that. that's all right.
2: So we're we're through that we're through that um that portion of it. So just uh you know read between the lines there. The Giants are putting videos out there too, so I wouldn't uh I wouldn't be
0: too worried. Yeah. So in general, now thank thank you for that. That was that was nice. <laughs> So in general, what was it like for you guys on the beat today? How is your experience different today, maybe compared to past years? You know, just from walking into the facility, leaving, you know, you just... Have you ever had to submit your practice report to Giants PR before? That sounds so strange. Like, you have two editors now.
1: Oh, well, to be clear on that, I mean, no, I'm not filing it to them. They will let me know after it's published if they object to it. Oh,
0: after it's published. Oh, I thought it was before it was
1: published. No, never do that, but... Um, typically you can file whatever you want and you didn't have to worry about getting a phone call or an email. I don't know. Maybe. I, I didn't go anything crazy today. It's day one, but, uh, we'll see if I get a, uh, a little note from them or a comment tomorrow. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that, that's what I was referring to there, but no, it was, it was definitely a lot different today. I mean, obviously, you know, everything's a lot different in the world right now, but you know, we, we parked in the same lot. We usually do actually, I, I should back up. We get an email at like six thirty in the morning that has a you know a couple of questions like do you have any symptoms of COVID been around anybody you know left the country There's a handful of, you know very basic questions um do you have a temperature uh, so once you you know answer all those questions you get an email saying you know that you passed the uh, the test and you have to bring that to the facility show it to the guard just to enter you know even the parking lot to get on the grounds go into the building really quick and you stand about 20 feet away from the receptionist desk and, and they somehow can take your temperature from that far away. I've never seen that. She gives you the, okay. And, and then you proceed to practice, but um, you know, that'll be different this year too. I mean, typically we're able to, uh, you know, walk all along the sidelines and, and you know, kind of get different vantage points. And obviously you're, you know, there's a lot of reporters and you're close, but they're really limiting uh, the amount of media that can be, I think it's 16 reporters uh, maximum per day um we're, we're typically they're gonna be up on the patio if you've been to the facility um just you know on, on the closest to the facility um socially distance all that today they're on the far field so we were like kind of behind a fence that was that was a tough vantage point hopefully the patio will be a little bit better um but yeah i mean everything's different and then you finish practice typically you would go into the field house or go to the patio and the head coach would would speak a couple prominent players and other guys would come up in the locker room for one-on-one interviews obviously none of that this year i you know i drove home and hopped on zoom like we are right now and Joe judge and Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard, um, you know, hopped on and, and took some questions. So yeah, it's just totally, totally different. Um, you know, definitely takes some, some getting used to, but it, uh, it beats, you know, trying to be a college football writer right now and have nothing to cover. So I can, I right, can deal yeah. with, uh, yeah. with these adjustments for now.
2: All right. So I, uh, messaged you the other day with Ross Cockrell. I, I just, I don't know how that fell apart. And part of me is like, well, they'll just figure it out somehow. But it's been – I mean, it's been almost a week at this point. And you had a point, and I agree with it. Were they Ross Cockrell or bus? Because it's just – it's hard to believe that they – you know, if it wasn't for Ross Cockrell that they weren't going to go after a corner.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I find it hard to believe as if he was the only, you know, guy worth pursuing, you know, on the open market. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of guys sort of in his class of player – Um, You know, we don't know exactly what his asking price was. I have to assume the Giants were offering something close to the minimum. You know, I can't imagine there was a a lucrative offer to Ross Cockrell. And um, so it's hard for me to understand how they weren't on the same page when everything came to pass. You thought maybe he was going to go jump and he maybe got a better offer elsewhere, but we're a couple of days removed and and he hasn't surfaced anywhere. So uh, hard to understand exactly what went went down there. I don't think there's any chance uh, of them, you know, rekindling those talks. It seems like that's uh, sort of a dead end, but, I think they need to bring somebody in because the point I've made you know, in print and on Twitter is there's there's this notion, like, play the kids. I mean, they did that last year. <laughs> Does anyone yeah. want to do DeAndre Baker? Especially Corey at the Baller. corner spot. Yeah, I mean, they, they did it last year, all these young corners. And listen, to no fault of their own, they were all young corners, but they got burned. I mean, they, they couldn't cover anybody. So I don't mind, like, play the kids angle if you're – two and 10 down the stretch. And you might have a guy like Julian Love who, you know, he only got in there obviously because of injury. It wasn't even like a play of the kids type movement, but, and he, he played well. But you need to at least have like a baseline of talent at such an important position as cornerback where it can, you know, if you Antonio Hamilton and John Deere Baker out there, you know, it can submarine your season out of the gate. You need to have someone like a Ross Cockrell yeah. who is at least confident. And listen, if Corey Ballantyne or one of these no-name corners that have been, you know, cycling in here left and right emerges, all the better. Let him start, and you have Ross Cockle as a backup or you know, a player you know, similar to him. But I, I don't think they can go into the season with what they have right now. I mean, this is one practice and it's hard. If we saw a lot of one-on-one drills. I feel like receivers always have a pretty big advantage there. Uh, but the corners, you know, didn't equip themselves very well today. Uh, I just don't see how you can possibly look at this this roster right now and say, yeah, that they're set at corner. Um, so, I don't know who that, that next guy would be we have all thrown around the same handful of names of you know veterans out there. I just think you need someone who has NFL tape of being competent. And then again, you have the young guys waiting in the wing and if they show you something, you certainly can give them a shot. But uh, I, I don't think you can go into the season with your depth chart of like Corey Ballantyne and Prince Smith and you know some of these other guys no one's ever heard of. So I mean, you need to do something there.
2: Yeah. And my thing has been is this offense, like, There's not high expectations for the Giants this year, but, you know, if Jones takes a step forward, the offensive line should be improved. There's no reason they can't score points. I mean, they scored some points in some games last year, so that's been my thing with, like, that's why I love the Cockrells. Like, not like Cockrell's some great player, but it gives the offense the ability to outscore teams without the defense just blowing it every single time. Um, With that, Holmes, you know, he's been, like, the the Giants profile's favorite guy to throw out highlights of. Is it a little premature? Because I worry that the expectations are way too high on a fourth round rookie at, at this point.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, this is my fifth year covering the NFL. By now I have definitely learned my lesson of like the training camp hype and the there's always the one wide receiver who has like you know, six catches in a practice and like, you know, in shorts and a T-shirt. Everyone's got them on the three-man roster. So uh, I think the, the way to approach it, I know this isn't how fans are wired, kind of – lower the expectations and then be pleasantly surprised. I think that I don't, I don't really quite understand why people are going so crazy on Darnay Holmes seeing as how until today no outside outlet had witnessed him. So you're basically just going by what is said in interviews or what the in-house reporters who do a fine job, but they're probably not going to point out the times where he gets burned. So um, I, I don't know why it's become like a runaway train where he was like this fourth-round steal. Um, I think he's going to be put in a prominent role. I think he's going to have an opportunity – um, you know, to have a big, you know, a big opportunity here as, as a rookie, but I would just pump the brakes a little bit and and let's see. Um, you know, he there's not a lot of competition in that slot job, so it would be almost a little discouraging if he doesn't win it. But let's let's see him. You know, string together a handful of good practices. Um, you know, with some biased eyes evaluating, and he you know he didn't have interception today, so that was a good sign. But he also beat uh, a few times in some one on one drills. So, um, yeah, I think with a lot of these guys. You know, lower the expectations, be pleasantly surprised is probably the approach to go, um, you know, when you're talking about rookies who are, you know, day three picks.
0: Yeah, and Dan, I feel like this has been an offseason full of everybody is really, really tuned in to players, trainers. I mean, largely because we didn't have OTAs in the spring and stuff like that. And we're one of them We interviewed uh Keenan Keenan Forney Andrew Thomas's trainer, but especially Jabril Peppers and Darnay Holmes, they were working out working out a lot this off season and I believe that trainer was the guy that said that darnay Holmes, oh yeah, he could play outside corner, and oh yeah, Jabril Peppers he can even play corner himself uh, Dan, are these trainers when you ask them, can their players that they're training do this? Are they not ninety nine percent of the time going to say yes?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, who's writing the checks for these guys? I mean, it's it's not a situation where it's a coach who has to make a decision what's best for the team. I mean, if you're getting paid by a player, you're obviously going to be in that player's corner. Now, there's nothing wrong. You used to reach out to um, to Thomas's trainer. I mean, they can add perspective. I think you just have to probably lay off the – the superlatives of like you know like I think someone said you know Peppers can be a lockdown corner is like okay well that's great but what techniques are you working on because that's probably what the trainer can add a little more value in you know I talked to um you know Daniel Jones's trainers that you're trying to get you know what's he working on what drills you doing what's fundamentals this type of stuff not like can he be a top 10 quarterback this year like what no 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 he's 16 to 18 type of course they're gonna get their guys back and that's that's fine that's what you expect but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right that there was a little bit of a void in coverage, so the trainers got a little more shine uh, this summer. And, yeah, you're totally right. They're certainly going to, you know, pump their guys up because if nothing else, it's, it's recruiting too. Like, hey, that's Jabril Peppers' uh, trainer. He's, you know, he's kind of making the rounds, and um, you know he can show that around to, you know, some other New Jersey guy who's, who's looking for a trainer next offseason. But, um, yeah, so I think certainly take things with a, a grain of salt, and, and not to say they have no value, but when they start making you know, superlative comments about their guys – Slightly
2: biased there, yeah. Kind of like Baker's lore. We got to interview uh, Boone too, and Zoom totally destroyed the audio, and oh, yeah. I was I was pretty pissed off for a few days. But that that was a fun one. I'll I'll finish it off with this because there might be a guy named Nick Gates who wasn't in the starting lineup who got an extension. I, I there's just for me there's it seems like there's no way that they don't have a, so, a spot with him at center or right tackle. Now in past camp battles, I know Joe Judge is different. How often does a guy go from the second team to the first team? Because to me, it would it would seem crazy to not play that guy.
1: That's a great question. Because it's funny. As much as you know, Joe Judge is banging this open competition drum, I'm wagering that of the 22 guys who, you know, probably qualify as starters today, no less than 20 of them will be starters, you know, four weeks from today when they take on the stage. Now, that being said, I'm leaving myself a little wiggle room, like, you know. Could a rookie second-round pick potentially crack the starting lineup in the secondary just, you know, hypothetically? certainly possible. Um, Maybe you don't want to hand it to a guy right out of the gates. You know, could, uh, you know, an offensive lineman who who signed an extension recently jump over a journeyman who really has kind of a low ceiling, again, hypothetically? um, Certainly possible. But, I, you know, you understand that maybe if a guy has never played a position, you might not want on day one to make him the starter. But you can kind of only play those games for so long because, listen, as we just talked about, the, you know, the split practices, every rep is super valuable. And especially if you're talking center, quarterback, and if you're talking about a, a guy who's never played center before, you don't really want to be jockeying around with emotions. Like, get the guy in there if you think he's going to be the guy right. with as much experience as possible. So uh, I think – we need to see some movement on that front soon. You know they're supposed to have a scrimmage on Friday, so I mean I think um, you know by that point maybe they come out of that, they watch some film, and they say all right we got to make some changes. But I would think by next week you're really going to start tightening up the the sort of rotations because he does give a lot of guys looks. But again, if you you know if you were a Giants fan you could have a pretty good idea which was the first team, which was the second team just based on um, you know what you know of the personnel despite the idea that they don't have a depth chart. I mean. The, number eight was the first team quarterbacks so i don't think that was just a uh they flipped a coin in the locker room you know before they went <laughs>
2: out yeah and you know we love camp battles we you know we do an angel an annual camp battles episode it's one of the most fun things to talk about but I, like you said i i think going to every camp they have a pretty solid idea of where everyone's going to play and like you said if if uh you know gates or whoever's not in that starting lineup on friday for that scrimmage that's when i i think that's when you'll see it play out um, so that's why, I mean, I was shocked to not see him in there. Those giants videos, not out there with the first team, Dan, we appreciate you coming on and working with what information you're allowed to share. Uh, it's, it's fun as always, man. And you know, I know things get busy, so we'll have to catch up after the season.
1: All right. Yeah. Hopefully someone can solve those, uh, those riddles we were doing there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we will get, we'll give them away in the beginning of the episode or I'll, I'll just say that I, I I'm, I'm hearing from people, um, <laughs> just pull that card. All right, thanks, Dan. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, well, I might kill you one day. Thanks again, Dan Duggar, for coming on the show. Like I said to start it, he he came on Tillman Radio, which is like I don't know why he gave me the time, but I appreciate that. He's always he's always good. I actually, I mean, I I really do think he's the best beat writer, and it's not. I don't think that's a, sucking up to him because we've had a, a a good amount of them on. I just I think he does the best job. Um, I think he just keeps it balance, and he, you know, he takes shots when he needs to, and he he compliments when he all, uh when it's deserved. So appreciate Dan, Justin. I think that's a show. We'll be back We're for some PPPs, and then a Friday episode. We should have another interview.
0: One week closer. One week closer to New York Football Giants football.
2: That Friday scrimmage man. That's gonna be fun. I wish we could have an episode on Saturday for it, but we won't because we take the Saturday off. You guys don't. Yeah. No one listens to podcasts on a weekend, anyways. Um so we appreciate you guys please leave a 5 star rating review would mean a lot really trying to get to 300 before the season kicks off we'll see you guys tomorrow until then let's go big blue